Today, let's think about for a moment or two the second coming of Jesus. Many of us, we have thought long and hard about the second coming, haven't we? Many of us have read Scripture after Scripture, alluding to the fact that Jesus will come again. When was the first time you remember somebody saying something about Jesus coming again? When I was just a little fella, and I really don't remember how old I was, but I do remember I was up in the country with my dad and my little brother. It was Christmas Eve. And I remember my dad saying something about Jesus coming again. And the first thing that I thought about was, I hope he's not coming today. I got presents to open. Well, the fact of the matter is, Jesus is coming. We don't know when he's coming, but we do know he is coming. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we have a picture, so to speak, of the return of Jesus. I have used this verse, or these verses, often when conducting a service for those who have died in Christ. Oftentimes, when we get to the cemetery, this is one of my go-to passages because it inspires hope. It lets us know that that body that we place in the ground, that that is just temporary. That there is coming a day when the Lord Jesus will return. And when He does, the cemeteries will be opened. So let's think for a moment or two about what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to begin by, first of all, talking for a moment or two about some words of counsel from the Lord. When you begin to look at this passage of Scripture, one of the things that stands out, there were voices of concern from those among the church in Thessalonica. Primarily, they were worried about their loved ones who had died in Christ. And so what Paul does is he seeks to provide them with some clarity or words of comfort. So listen, if you would, to what he says. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, or misinformed concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. They were concerned about the state of their loved ones. Now, you know, we deal with death every day, don't we? And we understand something about the finality of death, at least this side of eternity. The Hebrew writer said, It is appointed unto man once to die, after this cometh the judgment. So we deal with death every day. Now sometimes we can put it maybe in the background of life because personally it hasn't impacted us. But then when death comes calling in our family, or maybe among our friends, then we start thinking about the implications of death. And there are people today that they wonder, okay, I've lost a loved one. Where are they? Well, to understand that they've gone to be with the Lord if they're in Christ. So they're concerned. 
And their concern is no doubt, no, no doubt, realized by Paul. So again, his effort is to provide them with some clarity to this whole subject matter. They're concerned not only about the state of their loved one, but they're concerned about the security of their loved one. Now, we can't see beyond the veil, can we? We live in this world, and we are governed by time. We're governed by limitations of time. The only time that I know that the veil is lifted, so to speak, in which we are privileged to look into what is called in Scripture the Hadean realm, the realm of the unseen, is Luke 16. And there we read of Jesus talking about the rich man and Lazarus. Both of these men died. One of these men, Jesus said, was taken to a place of comfort, that being Lazarus. So the veil is lifted. These folks, they're worried, they're concerned about their loved ones. And Paul said, look, I don't want you to be misinformed about those who sleep in Jesus, that you sorrow not, even as others, listen to what he said, who have no hope. Paul is not saying that when we lose somebody in Christ, that we do not experience sorrow. I think what he's talking about is the degree of sorrow. And why is that? Because we know they've gone to be with the Lord. We haven't had the opportunity to physically, visibly see the unseen realm, have we? But we believe it. And we believe it through the eye of faith. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. There are two ways to die. There, there are those who die with hope. Those who die with hope are those who die in Christ, aren't they? Didn't John say, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord? Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them in Revelation 14, 13. All who die in Christ Jesus, they go to a place of comfort identified by Jesus as Abraham's bosom. Jesus said in Luke 23, it is a place called paradise. Every person who dies in Christ dies in hope. Do you remember in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer talks about talks about those ancient patriarchs who were looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God, understanding there is something better that, that awaits us. And then the flip side of that is, there are those who die with no hope. Well, who are those? Those who die outside of Christ. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul pictures the return of Jesus. And he said he's going to come in flaming fire, rendering vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about that for a minute. If people die outside of Christ, they have no hope. There's absolutely no hope afforded them. They're lost, aren't they? That's why it's imperative that people have the opportunity to hear the gospel, believe it, and obey it. Because there are some who die with hope. There are others who die without hope. I don't know about you. Have you ever been in a situation where you were without any kind of hope? 
There are people in our world today, they are, they are facing a grim prognosis. They've been told they have a cancer. And they have maybe three months, maybe six months, but they're living with the reality that death is coming. They don't have any hope. They've seen this doctor and that doctor. They've tried this treatment and that treatment. The bottom line is their mortality is upon them, isn't it? When you talk about dying outside of Christ, do you remember Jesus in Luke 16 talked about the rich man? He died and was buried and lifted and he lifted up his eyes, being where? In torment. Can't imagine. So what about this clarity? Listen now to what Jesus, or rather what Paul says in verse 14. Paul writes, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Let me just pause here for a minute. So what about this clarity? What about clearing away the smoke that may surround those who have died in Christ? By way of clarity, note if you would that Paul says the basis for every hope we have beyond this veil of existence is rooted in the resurrected Christ, isn't it? You take the resurrection out of Christianity and you have no Christianity. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 said that we have a living hope. That living hope is based upon the resurrection from Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul would write in Romans chapter 1 in verse 4, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power by the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul makes his case for the resurrected Christ. He talks about those eyewitnesses that had the opportunity to see Jesus in the flesh. They touched Him. They heard Him. They saw the risen Savior. And so Peter here, or rather Paul here, is saying that those who die in Jesus, first, they're being cared for. Why? Because they're in the presence of the Lord. Listen again. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. The word sleep that is used here, really it's the word that we get our term cemetery from. When somebody dies, physically speaking, the body is asleep, isn't it? And the body sleeps in the cemetery. The spirit, however, that inward part of man, the soul, the spirit, is alive and well, isn't it? Again, if you look at Luke 16 and you read about the rich man and Lazarus, note again what Jesus said about Lazarus, that he was in a place of comfort, a place of bliss. And so those who die in Christ, they are in the safekeeping of God, aren't they? They're in the care of God Almighty. Do you remember Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? He talked about to be absent from the body, listen to him, 
is to be present with the Lord. In other words, we're in the very presence of God. So we're being cared for. So when people die in Christ, they go home to be with the Lord, don't they? Didn't Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, say to live is Christ, to die is gain, to depart and be with Christ is far better. So, Paul said, number one, they are being cared for by Christ. And number two, they will one day come with Christ. They are in the safekeeping of God. When the Lord Jesus returns, when He comes, He is going to return with His people, with His saints. So listen now to what Paul says, verse 14. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. In Revelation chapter 1, John there quotes the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I am He who was dead, past tense. He said, but am alive. And He said, behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus there is simply saying, I have the authority, the power, to unlock the doors to the cemetery. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, He's coming with His people. The dead will be raised. Those who have died in Christ, according to Paul, will rise first. So let's talk about that for a minute. Because secondly, we have some words about the coming of the Lord. Look at verse 15. Paul said, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So first there is the expectation of His coming. Are there not people today that scoff at the idea of the return of Christ? Do you remember in Peter's day in 2 Peter chapter 3? He talked about those who would scoff at the return of Christ. And they would say, where's the promise of His coming? All things continue as they were since the beginning of creation. Just because Jesus didn't come yesterday, just because He hasn't come this morning, doesn't mean He's not coming. The surety of His coming. Jesus promised that He would come again. John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. He said, If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Do you remember in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascended to heaven and those two angelic beings, they said, this same Jesus that was taken up from you will come in like manner. The surety of His coming. The Lord Jesus is coming. We can bank on it. We can believe it because that's what God in heaven said. And Paul wrote by inspiration, didn't he? 
Didn't Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, the things that he wrote were the commandments of the Lord? So Paul here is clarifying the misunderstanding of some of the Christians in the city of Thessalonica about their loved ones that had died in Christ. The surety of His coming. But then the suddenness of His coming. There have been a lot of folks down through the years that have tried to somehow forecast when Jesus is coming. It's amazing how they have to continually forecast and reforecast. Why? Because they always get it wrong, don't they? And didn't Jesus say, but of that day and hour knows no man? That ought to settle it right there, shouldn't it? If Jesus said, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, then what gives somebody the right to think that they have, that they have some private information private information that no one else has access to. They don't have that kind of information. They're not privy to that knowledge. But He's coming. So how's He going to come? Well, Peter said He's going to come as a thief in the night. He's going to come suddenly, isn't He? And didn't Jesus say, Watch therefore, for you know not the hour when the Son of Man is coming? Could He come early in the morning? Yes, He could. Could He come at lunchtime? Sure. Could He come at dinner time? Or maybe when we pillow our heads at night? Again, the answer is yes. We just don't know, do we? But He's coming. So when He comes, when the Lord Jesus comes, what about the manifestation of His coming? Well, Paul says... You need to understand, first and foremost, when the Lord Jesus comes, it will be audible. Listen to what he writes. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Now, what does that say to those who have this idea the Lord is going to somehow secretly come and rapture the church away. It's not what Paul's talking about. When Jesus comes, every single solitary person who has ever lived will hear the voice of the archangel. We will hear the trumpet of God. That shout that goes forth. Let me tell you what, I don't care if you're alive or if you've been in the cemetery for hundreds of years, you'll know when the Lord Jesus comes. Jesus in John chapter 5 said the hour's coming, listen to Him, when all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. The evil and the good will come forth. So, when the Lord Jesus comes, everyone will hear it. But not only will it be audible, it'll be visible. How do I know that? Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, John said, Behold, He comes with the clouds. Now listen. And every eye will see Him. You mean to tell me when the Lord Jesus comes, we will all 
have the opportunity to see firsthand Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming? Yes. John went on to say, and they also who pierced Him. The very soldier that struck the side of the body of Jesus with a sword. When the Lord Jesus comes, He will see that day. And that man's been dead for a long time, hasn't he? So there's nothing secret about the Lord Jesus coming. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about coming. And He said when He comes, He will come with His holy angels. And He will sit upon the throne of glory. When He comes, all nations will be gathered before Him. So what are we talking about here, all right? When Jesus comes... It will be audible to the masses. It will be visible to the masses. And then there's another thing I would share. It will be the termination of life as we know it on planet Earth. It will be a terminal coming. Do you remember in the teaching of Jesus, He often spoke of the last day. For example, in John 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejects me receives not my words, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him. Listen to what he said, in the last day. That is the last day, the terminal day for history as we know it, the world as we know it. When Jesus comes, He's going to come in the clouds with His angels and as Paul said, in flaming fire, all nations are going to be gathered before Him. The cemeteries are going to open up. The dead in Christ, by way of sequence, they're going to rise first. And Jesus will bring that Spirit and reunite that spirit with that body that has been in the cemetery for years and years. Read 1 Corinthians 15. It will happen in a split second, in a moment, as Paul said, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. He said the dead will be raised and will be changed. The body that we have in this next life will not be like the body that we possess today. Because Paul said, flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. It will be an immortal body. It will be a glorified body. It will be an incorruptible body. So Jesus is coming. And when He comes, the dead will be raised. And we will be ushered before the throne of God. That's the last day. Do you remember Paul when he preached on Mars Hill? And he said, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Here's why. Because He has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness. Now there are a lot of folks today, and we live in a day and time when people want to pass the blame, pass the buck. And there are a lot of folks don't, that don't want to accept responsibility for their actions. We live in an era when this whole concept of accountability is out the window. And what Paul is saying 
is we're going to be held accountable for how we've lived here. In writing to the church at Corinth, he said we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. Imagine that. When the Lord Jesus comes, He's going to be seated upon His throne. He's going to begin to separate people as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. What side will you be on? Will you be among the sheep or the goats? Will you be among the saved or the lost? Will you be among those who have hope or those who have no hope? If you're outside of Christ and you haven't obeyed the gospel or you're not living faithfully for the Lord, you're going to be on that side that has no hope. But if you're in Christ, you have lots of hope to be with the Lord forever. So the Lord Jesus is coming. And when He comes, we'll give an account of the deeds done in our body. That's why James said, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Listen, God's going to open this book one day. And He's going to judge us out of the contents of this book. Will it matter if our lives harmonize with this book? You know the answer to that. Do you remember John in Revelation 20? I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open. What books, John? God's Word. You need to know the Word. You better be living by it. Because if you're not, you're going to be on thin ice. Thirdly, and very quickly, words of comfort from the Lord. Look at verse 17 again. Paul said, We who are alive and remain should be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So let me ask this question. What's going to happen to the world? The home you live in, the automobile that you drive, the, the clothes you wear, your jewelry, all the little trinkets that you've assembled over time. What's going to happen to all those things? You know, there are some people who have this idea that we're going to live on a renovated earth. Peter said, the world, the earth, is not going to be renovated. It's not about renovation, it's about termination. Peter said, the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works therein shall be burned up. The elements that were used to make this universe, the world that we live in will be destroyed. It will be no more. There will be new heavens and a new earth. As Peter said, wherein dwells righteousness. So what about words of comfort? Listen to what Paul said. He's writing to try to dispel any anxiety, any concern about loved ones who have died in Christ. So he talks about the second coming of Christ and the fact that they are with the Lord. And so he would write, Therefore comfort one another with these words. Do you mean to tell me that I can take the Word of God and I can find words of comfort from the source of all comfort. Yes. Well, how so? Didn't Jesus say, I'm the resurrection and the life? Is there not the promise of a better day, a better place? 
Sure there is. So when people die, and they die in Christ, can we not open passages of Scripture and read verse after verse after verse that comforts our hearts, that soothes our anxieties? God doesn't want us to live in a state of anxiety about our loved ones. Well, where are they? They've gone to be with the Lord. They're in His safe keeping. And in His own good time, He will bring them with Him when He comes again. Again, the words of Jesus in John 14, when He said, In my Father's house are many mansions, many abiding places. And Jesus said, Look, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So first, we can be comforted by the Word of God, can't we? Do you remember David? You know, the beauty of death is we're not going to walk that veil alone, are we? David said, talking about the Lord being his shepherd, he said, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In Luke 16, the angels are pictured as carrying the spirit, the soul of Lazarus to the bosom of Abraham. Death doesn't have to be frightening. The Hebrew writer talked about those who through the fear of death. Look, we've never died. We haven't been to the other side. And so is there a sense of trepidation on our part because we haven't experienced it? Well, sure. Some degree, yes. But we know where we're going, don't we? And the Lord has and look, if the Lord has promised it, then we can trust Him, can't we? Isn't that what it's all about? Putting our trust in God? And then the source of comfort, not just the Word of God, but God Himself. What about passages like 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul talks about the God of all comfort? the Father of all mercies. Can we not go to God in prayer and cast our cares on Him and acknowledge to Him that we feel a void, that we're hurting? Again, Paul said that you sorrow not even as others. He's not saying that as a child of God, when we lose a loved one in Christ, that we're not, that we're not in sorrow, that we're not mourning. But the degree to which we sorrow or mourn is not like those who have no hope. Why? Because we know where they are. And if we know where they are, then why should we worry? So my question today, when Jesus comes, will He come and find you watching and waiting? You ever heard the voice of an archangel? You ever heard the voice of the archangel? You ever heard a trumpet of God? I haven't, but I know I will. And so, when Jesus comes, the question of this hour is, will heaven be your home? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I would encourage you, come to Christ. No need to die outside of Christ. You can die in Christ. You can enjoy the promises of Christ. What would you need to do? Believe Jesus to be the Son of God? 
Repent of your sins, confess His name, be immersed with Him in water. Let God wash your sins away, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. Then be faithful. And one day you'll hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Job well done. If perchance you're here today, let's just say your life's not what it ought to be as one of His people and you need to be restored. We encourage you to make it right with God. We have the opportunity to pray with you and for you, and we'll do that today as we stand and sing.